Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I was more impressed with the percentages. Obviously, 50 points in a week is pretty good, too. But, look, he had a fabulous week. This is the Believe in Trailblazers show. The Portland Trailblazers have won the World Championship. On Believe Podcast Network. Boom, chakalaka! Portland's number one sports podcast network. Now, the Blazers win in four overtime. Plus 40 to 137. Here's your host, Jordan Schultz. Well, the first game that the Lakers end up playing after Kobe's death happened to be against the Portland Trail Blazers. You know, all of those events, Kobe getting passed by LeBron as the third all-time scorer in the NBA, then passing away the next day with his daughter Gianna and seven others in a horrible helicopter crash outside of Los Angeles, and then waiting to play the Portland Trail Blazers as their first game, and not really waiting, but you get my drift. The fact that one of their bitter rivals, if it were the Blazers or the Celtics, if it were a movie script, you wouldn't believe it. And the story for the week for the Portland Trail Blazers, coming out of that game, the fact that I never thought they had any chance in hell of winning that game. And they went out behind Damian Lillard and got a huge win. He put the entire team on his back, led them to a 127-119 to win at Staples Center, the house that Kobe built. After such inspiring basketball, Portland really looks like an entirely different team at this point. They're poised. They're playing on the same page for the first time all season, at least in my opinion. I think it's pretty easy to see, though, in fact, I don't even consider what I'm about to say a very hot take, but I'm sure a lot of other Blazers fans out there will. Their improvement on defense, along with Dame playing the best basketball of his life, will catapult Rip City into the eighth spot in the playoffs as well as a legitimate contender in the NBA. They're not going to be quite amongst the top-tier talent in the West, but they will still have a shot at winning the Larry O'Brien Trophy, however small it is. Just a shot. Do I sound crazy? I really don't think so. We can interact about it on Twitter, on the air, Jordan, with an O. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for Episode 5 of Believe in Trailblazers on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe is Portland's number one sports podcast network. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you have any burning questions about Rip City that you want answered on the show, or if you heard something I said, want to tell me I'm crazy, once again, hit me up on Twitter, on the air, Jordan, with an O. Something crazy, maybe like this week's topic that you think I'm saying. Hot take alert, fans, but I really think Rip City is a lock for that eighth spot in the Western Conference. And they're going to be a hard team to beat in the playoffs. Am I going too far? Hell no. Let me know what you think on Twitter. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. All right, getting into the meat, though, of Episode 5 of Believe in Trailblazers, this has been an insane turnaround week for Portland. After starting 5-12, and 12, the Blazers now marching toward even ground again at 23-27. and 27. They've won four straight and five out of the last six, just balling out of their asses right now. And they've gotten to this point, uh, winning four straight and five out of the last six by beating some very good teams. Indiana, who had 31 wins at the time. Houston, they beat them a couple different times this year. The Lakers, of course, on Friday night in their first game after Kobe Bryant's passing, as well as the Utah Jazz. They have 32 wins as well. Definitely nothing to sneeze at. The Jazz have been one of the better teams in the Western Conference this year. 
Portland has been playing like a totally different team. Terry Stotts had something to say about how well the team is playing in the last week. Here's Terry Stotts. I think we're playing playing well. You know, we've had some, uh, we've played some good games. Um, you know, I think over our last 15, we're 8-7. and seven. You know, we're Dame's playing best basketball of the season. Um, you know, we're kind of in a rhythm. I think Trevor has certainly added a lot to, to the roster. He's played well uh, in the games that he's been here. All these things coming together, at least starting to, and you mentioned Terry Stotts saying Dame playing the best basketball basically of his life, in my opinion. Fans should just start chanting the mantra, Dame being Dame. You know, kind of like uh, old Red Sox, Dodgers baseball player Manny Ramirez, Manny being Manny, you know, Mam Ram, all those antics of his crazy, crazy attitude going during a game into the Green Monster at Fenway Park to use the bathroom, his general attitude towards the media. But but this would be Dame being Dame. Everything he's doing is freaking awesome. So a good Dame being Dame. He's been setting team and league records all year. He got his first career triple-double against the Rockets last week. Here's what he had to say about that. I mean, it's about time. <laughs> it took eight years. And everybody was like, get one rebound, get one rebound. So I was like... I'm crashed offensive glass. I'm get in position to defensive rebound. So good for Dame really finally getting that out of the way. He's been so close quite a few times in his career, but good to see such a great, talented player finally. I mean, a triple-double, you don't think that for somebody of Dame's caliber that that is very tough, but shorter guys in the NBA minus Russell Westbrook, it's not really known that they're going to get a lot of rebounds. So really good that Dame stepped up and was able to get that against the Rockets for the first time. Uh, in his career this week. Uh, just so much else happening in the world of Dame and the Blazers. Damian named as a reserve to the All-Star team. Uh, that's his fifth All-Star appearance in his career so far. Uh, let's just be real about this. Damian is playing like a man possessed. He averaged 52 points per game in one week of playing. He was just named the Western Conference Player of the Week. Another comment from Dame talking about how crazy it was seeing that he averaged 52 points. I mean, when you're playing and you're just trying to do whatever you can to, to win the game, it kind of sets in later. Like, at first it was like, oh, it's a crazy run, and, you know, you see the numbers. And then um, I saw a, a picture of just, you know, them saying I was player of the week, and I just saw the stat line, and I was like, 52 points, that's a lot. Like, that's crazy. Like, when I actually saw it, I was just like, that's kind of crazy. But that was it. You know, it, it did look crazy. You really don't see this kind of greatness even every year in the NBA. And I'd be happy to challenge anybody who doubts me uh, on that opinion. Damian Lillard right now playing like up there with the greats of all time, at least in this couple of week chunk that we've gotten to watch him. Dame has scored 30 points or more 22 times now this season and was the top scorer in the league, the entire league in the whole month of January. I uh, mentioned it. He just won the Western Conference Player of the Week. I would be shocked if he eventually didn't win Western Conference Player of the Month. He had 42 points by the end of the third quarter in Los Angeles with 48 total. Uh, Dame Dalla, six plus threes in six straight games. That makes him the first player in NBA history to do that since the three-point line was actually added in 1979. Think about that, basketball fans. He is the first player in 40 years to accomplish that. 
I won't go as far as to say that we're watching Picasso paint, but this kind of talent is something that you never forget. You tell your grandkids about it. I started hearing chants. Uh, this was against Utah uh, last weekend. I started hearing chants of MVP at the Moda Center, and I usually think that kind of thing is gratuitous. You know, I've been there, trust me, three or four big expensive beers uh, in during the game. You're watching a Blazer fan favorite. Maybe Brandon Roy back in the day balling his earth off and they go for 40 or 50 that night and you get in with the fans. You're all feeling good. You all love your team. You start yelling how much better than everyone else in the league he is, which inevitably leads to MVP, MVP, which is really the result more of fan love and liquor instead of, say, logic and consistent results. If you need a better example of what I'm talking about, think about fans who vote for an injured player to be on that year's All-Star team. Happens almost every year. Steph Curry got a ton of votes, even though he's been out almost the entire year for this season. But these MVP chants, when I heard those MVP chants for Damian Lillard as he dropped 51 against Utah, I bought in. With my heart and my mind. I'm, I'm all in, Blazers fans. He is an MVP contender. Legitimate MVP contender. You can't ignore it. The world simply cannot ignore Damian Lillard's greatness any longer. He works consistently in practice on 30 to 40 foot shots and hits them on a regular basis. So uninformed people like maybe Paul George, they can call them bad shots until the sun don't shine. But the NBA simply must acknowledge the unbelievable talent at the point guard position up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, If you need anything else to convince you of what I'm saying, he broke Steph Curry, the king of three-pointers. He broke Steph Curry's record of 38 three-pointers in five consecutive games. He broke it in Los Angeles. He's been playing, once again, I said this earlier in Believe in Trailblazers, he has been playing like a man possessed. He also had 35 points, 5-plus assists, and 5-plus rebounds for five straight games. Going, uh, Actually, that happened for the fifth straight game in Los Angeles. That makes him the first player in 50 years to do so in the history of the NBA. Like, are you kidding me? W- what else do you need? And we're talking about Blazers turning points and talking about the team kind of turning the corner. In my opinion, the Blazers turning point happened this last week against Houston. Lillard, at one point during the game, had consecutive assists to uh, Nasir Little and then Trevor Ariza. They were really good dunks just coming in, uh, posterizing guys from the middle of the key. And those plays looked like the most cohesive that I've seen this team playing all year. They all looked like they were on the same page for one of the first times. It's exactly what you expect to happen after trying to fight through the mud all year at least if you got smart and talented players, which the Blazers do. They're young. Unfortunately, these guys have just been forced into action, and we didn't expect that. The situation forced Terry Stotts' hand to play guys like Scalabissier way more than it intended, and he ended up getting injured, although he was playing well. And then you look at this point of the season, seeing glimpses of Anthony Simons starting to get that IQ, Nasir Little starting to really get some confidence and attack on the offensive end. And you see that, and you see Trevor Ariza coming in and gelling with Portland as well, and you see how good the Blazers can truly be. Nasir is maturing, and Gary Trent has provided a nice spark since his minutes have increased. He was averaging over 15 points in five straight games. 
Uh, 46% as well from three going into their matchup against Los Angeles last week. The resolve that the team is starting to show in these situations with those contributions from younger guys unexpectedly like Gary Trent, it really makes me believe that the Blazers can play with some composure for the rest of the season. These guys are getting experience. It's paying off. Portland, because of that, is simply stronger in those late-game swing situations. Here's Damian Lillard. Um, I just think the fact that we've been able to, to win two out of the last three, I'm just proud that we trended in the, the right direction and I'm um, still working towards you know getting a playoff spot. And I think that uh, they will not only be working towards it, I think it's a guarantee at this point. There's still a game and a half out of the eighth spot in the Western Conference. But what a lineup that we're getting to watch right now. As much as the Blazers fans have had to endure this season, we've suffered a lot. We now get to watch a starting lineup uh, going forward, if all goes well, that consists of Damon CJ and three very solid NBA veterans. Hassan Whiteside still leading the league in blocks. Trevor Ariza, the new acquisition, has basically been a perfect fit since he slipped into the starting three spot. And, of course, Carmelo Anthony. He's been a steady performer, hits big shots, and is teaching the younger guys on the team. A future Hall of Famer just bawling his ass off as well for Portland unexpectedly. Count your blessings, Blazers fans. I know the win-loss record doesn't look great, but they will get over 500. And in my opinion, they will easily slide into the A spot in the Western Conference. And they will be a hard beat for either maybe L.A., Clippers, or Lakers, or the Denver Nuggets, who are third in the Western Conference right now. It's a long way to go, Blazers fans, but ultimately... I believe that their struggles earlier in the year, it it hasn't sent their season totally off the rails. They have the talent, they have the determination, and the coaching in Terry Stotts to make some waves late into the year and going into the playoffs. Switching gears to something I originally talked about on Believe in Trailblazers Episode 3 regards Carmelo Anthony's shelf life in Portland. Uh, I'd been asking the question, I would love it if he could stay an extra two, three seasons in Portland, he's finning, he's playing so well as we just talked about, and I opined that he should finish his career here. Well, it seems that we may have an answer. Uh, I've been wondering what is the status on Carmelo Anthony going forward for the Portland Trailblazers. Well, future Hall of Famer Carmelo Anthony has stated publicly that he wants to retire as a Portland Trailblazer. Yes! All right, get the party out, let's get the drinks, let's get the chips. I'm excited, let's celebrate, but more importantly, uh, we can celebrate more when the Blazers actually get this done. Uh, he told Kerry Eggers of the Portland Tribune this, I would love to stay. This is a direct quote. I feel like this is the place for me to end my career. It could have happened earlier, but it didn't. Now, where I'm at in my life and my career, this is where I want to retire. Doesn't that feel so good, Blazers fans? It, it's nice to hear a player of his caliber talk about wanting to stay in Portland. You know, us fans have had to deal with so much heartbreak when the greats of the past, Clyde Drexler, for instance, getting up, and leaving before their careers were up. I think a lot of people still have a very sour taste in their mouth of Clyde Drexler. Whether or not you want to say it was because Bob Witsit was trying to unload older talent, a lot of fans hate the fact that Clyde Drexler went to Houston and won an NBA championship. And it's nice to be on the other end of that for once. Anthony, he turns 36 in May. He still has a solid three or four years left to play, in my opinion. The way that he's taking care of his body to get back into the league has really paid him dividends. And I think it's something that gives the Blazers and him an advantage 
in the way of playing at a higher level. I think he could play until he's almost 40. So just to hear Melo talking like he is about the Portland Trailblazers just warms my heart. There are just some things, fans, you get your wish almost. It just even, even before this move is done, hearing that Carmelo Anthony wants to remain a Portland Trailblazer for the rest of his career, ah, thank goodness. <laughs> some things do fall into place. All right, Blazers fans, now it's time for This Week in Blazers History. If you're new to the podcast, it's where we take time to acknowledge a historical player or moment important to the team from around that week. Uh, This week, really cool, excited to talk about this. We talk about one of my favorite Blazers ever, Detlef Schrempf. And we talk about when he rejoined the Portland Trail Blazers this week, 19 years ago, mid-season 2001. Uh, He's a Northwest native, was a great three-point shooter at 38% total for his career, also one of the NBA's best sixth man in history. He initially played for the Dallas Mavericks after getting drafted out of University of Washington, eighth overall in 1985, before playing for the Indiana Pacers, Seattle Supersonics, and finally the last two seasons for the Portland Trailblazers. More like season and a half, actually, as we're going to talk about. He won the Sixth Man of the Year Award in 1991 and 1992 and was a three-time NBA All-Star. If I'm not mistaken, I also believe that he is only one of two people of German descent, along with Dirk Nowitzki, obviously, to play in the NBA Finals. So Detlef originally joined Portland the same day that the Sonics released him uh, during the offseason. This was August 2nd, 1999. So he was with them. Of course, during that all-famous run to the Western Conference Finals and during that game, the collapse in Game 7 to the Los Angeles Lakers. He actually did score six points, uh, played 21 minutes off the bench in that 89-84 loss. Pretty cool to know that Detlef actually did contribute, even though it was one of the worst moments in Blazers history. Pippen looking for Shrimp. The fake gets Corey up in the air, and Shrimp hits a big shot. All he was trying for was contact and a foul. Didn't get it, got the hoop instead. No, it takes you back. Bob Costas, Bill Walton, NBC on the call. Start playing Round Ball Rock by John Tesh. Goodness gracious. Anyways, uh, Detlef Schrempf being brought in midseason 2001. A lot of players didn't agree with Bob Witsit's decision to bring Detlef in while the team had been playing so well. A lot of players and people who watched the team in 01 thought midseason acquisitions of Rod Strickland and Detlef Schrempf were one of the main reasons they fizzled out and lost to the Lakers in the first round. Portland had been pretty easy on him. They allowed him to think over wanting to play or not after 2000. Then they let him sit out the first half of 2000-2001 while leaving a roster spot open for him. Paid him his salary, uh, just over a million a year, while he didn't play, hoping he would return. Detlef did return. He ended up playing his first game of the season on February 1st, 2001. Uh, When he did come back, the GM allowed him to spend time with his family, skip practices uh, on the weekends, and went home to Seattle, uh, which didn't sit well with some of the team. I I see that one both ways, but I lean uh, towards the thought of his size and shooting ability coming off the bench for Mike Dunleavy. That is worth the trade-off for missing weekend practices. I'd be on board with it. He only played in 20-some games that year, averaged about four points, but he's a poised veteran that had a solid head on his shoulders. I know the Blazers' roster was stacked with talent those two seasons, 2000 and 2001, but I bet you the house I don't own that every team in the league except maybe the Sonics would have signed him that year. There are a couple of pretty honest quotes about the move back in 2001. They come from Kerry Ager's book, Jail Blazers. A really good read, just got released, I believe, near the end of 2018. Go check that out. 
Uh, but a couple of quotes first from former head coach Mike Dunleavy. This was him talking about the move on March 5th. The 2000-2001 Blazers were 42-18, and the best record in the NBA. This is from Jail Blazers. About that time, Witsit added veterans Detlef Schrempf and Ron Strickland to an already crowded roster. Many believe that caused the Blazers to implode. A quote from Dunleavy at that point, I had the all-time winning percentage of any coach in Portland history. Something did happen. I'm not going to get into that. It totally changed our whole mindset. The last 25 games, we were 7-18, and 18, end quote. So there's Mike Dunleavy's take on it. Also from Jail Blazers, former center Dale Davis, uh, he felt confident the Blazers would win the title in 2001 before late season acquisitions of Detlef and Rod. Quote, they were great players. Normally, you would love to bring those guys on board, but they threw our chemistry off. Was there too much talent then? That could be a part of it. But I felt guys made sacrifices based on the situation. So that was Dale Davis. Uh, once again, a quote from Kerry Ager's great book, Jailblazers. Also a really great story, at least in my opinion, about uh, Detlef Schrempf calling out Blazers coaches after that very famous incident. Uh, any, any Blazers fans remember when Rasheed Wallace threw a towel in Arvidas Sabonis' face. Uh, this also is from the book Jailblazers. It was April 15th of 2001, just before the end of Detlef's career anyways, uh, when assistant coaches refused to admonish Rashid for what he had done on the spot. Detlef allegedly got off the bench, pointed at every single coach one by one, and called them pussycats without the cat attached to it. If you catch my drift, he wasn't impressed uh, with the way they buckled to Rashid Wallace, at least publicly, in front of the crowd. It was pretty Bush League, as made clear by this Bill Walton quote. Uh, he was broadcasting the game nationally. Walton said, quote, it was one of the lowest moments of my life. He said, if I was any kind of man, I would have gotten up from that broadcast table, walked across the court, and punched Rashid Wallace in the nose. But I let Sabonis and the game of basketball and the human race down that day. So, of course, the thoughts about Detlef and Rod Strickland coming in midseason, ruining team chemistry, are valid in some people's minds. But others that thought that all of those personalities in one locker room were just a ticking time bomb might have been onto something. And if this incident really happened as it's reported to have, then that time bomb, in combination with the coaches, might have actually been the real issue. Sure, the Blazers' record was terrible in 2001 after the roster changes. Dunleavy once again saying it was 7-18 and 18 in the final 25 games. But their chemistry was so fragile long before that move. Detlef Schrempf did not make Rashid Wallace smack Arvidas Sabonis with a towel. So I hope you enjoyed learning uh, about some of the great things you may have forgotten uh, or never heard before about one of my all-time favorite trailblazers, Detlef Schrempf, and how he joined the team midseason for one more run in the NBA. Well, that's a wrap on Episode 5 of Believe in Trailblazers. If you have any burning questions about the team you want answered or you think I'm crazy, hit me up on Twitter, on the air, Jordan, with an O. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Please, please, please hit the download button and subscribe wherever you listen. You'll really be helping me out getting that random algorithm to show this podcast to as many new listeners as possible. You can also find the show at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. If you like the show, please tell all your fellow fans about the newest Trailblazers podcast on the block. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact us at Believe.com. 
That's all for now, Portland fans. I'm Jordan Schultz, and I'll talk to you next week. Rip City, baby. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.